from the front lines of the green rush. This is Green Entrepreneur, where business owners talk about how they found success in cannabis and how you can too. So hey, everybody, welcome to the Green Entrepreneur podcast. My name is John Small, and I am editor-in-chief of Green Entrepreneur. So excited about our guest today. Jason DeLand joins us, and Jason is the founding partner of Anomaly, which is a new model advertising agency with offices all over the globe. Their clients include brands as impressive as Coca-Cola and MLB and Disney parks and resorts. But perhaps more importantly for this podcast, Jason is also the founding member and board chair of Dosis, which is an innovative cannabis company specializing in providing natural plant-based targeted solutions delivered by a dose control technology. And recently, Dosis has gone full throttle into the wellness space, offering a range of CBD THC-free products. Jason, welcome to the podcast. Pleasure to be here, Jonathan. Thank you. I wanted to, let's a little bit of origin story because, you know, you had, you're one of these people that was successful in one part of the business, the, a mainstream part of, of industry, and then you got into cannabis. Tell us a little bit about what Anomaly is and then how you transitioned into Dosist. Yeah, sure. I mean, so my background is a sort of a serial entrepreneur on the entrepreneurial journey. So being on sort of a podcast called Green Entrepreneur is kind of a cool thing for me. And I love the process of that entrepreneurial journey, feeling the burn to start something, the conviction to know that you're right, the energy that brings to people, and then the planning that ensues and the commitment to that, and then eventually the launch and then the ups and downs of after you've started a business to keep that baby alive and growing. And then the vicissitude that always happens like that, that moment where you're like, you feel like you can't go any further, but you push through that into something else. And, you know, Anomaly and Dosis have that in common. One, obviously, Anomaly is a business that I started at a very young age at 27 years old. It was a sort of a marketing innovations agency. It's done everything from launch something like EOS Lip Balm and create that to award-winning Super Bowl advertising, very famous for the Budweiser Clydesdale's trilogy that sort of voted the most loved Super Bowl ad of all time. We mentioned Disney. We, we worked on and led the development of Disney NGE, which is sort of famous for the magic band and sort of turning that into a smart park. I spent years and still love the Dick Sporting Goods brand and bringing that from a retail company to a real brand with real credential in the wider area of sporting goods. And so I love the process of building stuff. I love the messiness of it all, the creativity, the chaotic nature of it. So I, in a way, I'm kind of addicted to it. But I'm addicted to it because it's real, true freedom and it's real, true meritocracy. You know, the great things about being an entrepreneur is the cream rises to the top always. And sometimes it's not evident in the beginning, but, you know, over a long period of time, the people who are have good ideas, who are willing to put in the work, who are humble enough to know what they don't know and continually learn are typically the people who rise to the top, not sort of the zero sum game thinkers or race to the bottom guys, but really the ones who are pushing it forward. And, you know, right now, I feel like that that is exactly what's required right now in cannabis as cannabis develops, I think, from what is ostensibly a gray market sort of cottage industry into the major world and the bright lights of consumer packaged goods. I mean, I love that you say that because we see right now in cannabis, 
there's a lot of people getting into it because they have a passion about the plant and a passion about the business of cannabis. And then there's kind of just the people who see it like a, a money-making play here. And I feel like I'd like to think that, like you said, the cream rises to the top, that the people with the best ideas and the most passionate will rise to the top. And it's not just the sort of investment bankers in New York City that have decided to, to like start their own cannabis companies that are going to take out all the kind of people. So you do feel that, right? I mean, I, I, I do see that a lot of the successful companies are started by people who really have like a personal relationship with the plant or have some sort of passion because it's not enough to just want to make money. There has to be something else. I couldn't agree more. I mean, you know, my indoctrination into cannabis started when I was probably 10 years old. And my father is a self-employed roofing contractor and he had a roof crew. And I, every single summer from about 10 till, well, still to this day, sometimes I'm called back up on the roof to do some work. I, I know more about roofing than I probably know about anything else in the world. And that crew, which was some of the hardest working, toughest guys I ever met, would be high during most of the day. And, you know, I remember being worried about that as a child and not really understanding what was going on. And as I got older, I remember asking Randy Maris, who was my father's foreman and someone who used to call me junior and, and raise me. And I said, you know, Randy, why are you smoking this flower out of a bowl all day long? And he said, Jason, he goes, as you know, roofing is probably the hardest thing to do in the amount of stress on the human body all day, every day under the beating sun, up and down a ladder, carrying heavy loads and doing it for a living. He goes, I'm in incredible pain. And I use cannabis all day long to be able to do my job. And from that point of view, that sort of stuck in my head always is perform this, this notion of the plant actually being performance driven, that, that people use it so that they can do something else as opposed to just zone out, sit on the couch and eat Doritos. And so I've always looked at it differently. My, my indoctrination into the world of cannabis businesses started when really 2013, I was flying around the world a couple million miles a year and I was severely jet lagged. I had a very challenging time sleeping and someone handed me a very rudimentary vaporization device and said, Jason, why don't you try this? And I remember being quite skeptical about it because I didn't know where it was from. I didn't know what it would do to me. I was much more comfortable with flour than I was a concentrate. And I think I remember it being some sort of variation of Girl Scout cookies, which was just, you know, some very basic terp sauce with some distillate in it probably. And I took it and I remember two things happening. One, I got high and two, I fell asleep and I'll focus on the part of falling asleep. To me, a good night's sleep is one of the most beautiful, awesome experiences ever. And all too often in this world, it's just, it's a problem. Most people have, even if they sleep eight hours a night or seven hours a night, the quality of that sleep has been disrupted and modern screens and the reliance, over-reliance on alcohol and, and, and other drugs and, and just the daily stresses of life made that really difficult. So I really decided to focus in on why cannabis helped me fall asleep. And one of the things that I had done for about seven or eight years during my time at Anomaly was I sat at the intersection of the joint venture between Nestle and Coca-Cola, where I was responsible for leading innovation practice on how to bring functional-based beverages to the market. And in that area, it was particularly around antioxidants, flavonoids, and catagans. And so when I started to looking at the underlying sort of chemistry of cannabis, I quickly felt comfortable with it as to why it put me to sleep, because what I recognized is we're just talking about phytomolecules here and terpenoids and cannabinoids. And so I had a good almost I had a professional working knowledge of plant-based um, molecules and their functionality inside of the human body. 
and what I like to call their therapeutic benefits. And so I really started to go down into what has basically been a seven, eight year rabbit hole of studying cannabis from four dimensions. So, so one is obviously through the lens of the botany and the underlying plant-based chemistry. The second one is what it is doing inside of our human body, everything from the endocannabinoid system to the serotonin system to the TARPA system, the set of receptors that help regulate pain. And, you know, really understanding everything that from how these are in a lot of ways neurotransmitters and what they do for immune function, what they do for overall health and how the endocannabinoid system and cannabinoids sort of interrelate. And then of course, the third dimension is the consumer and how to bring what is a very difficult to understand at an expert level category and help a consumer who really doesn't know much about it orientate to the category. And then lastly, it's the category itself and watching the category develop, understanding the channel dynamics that exist here in California, in Canada, across the country, um, both as it relates to the adult use and sort of hemp-based CBD platform-based businesses. So I luckily have been surrounded by, I think, some of the smartest people in the world to help me learn that, whether they be research scientists or growers. And, you know, I have, uh, I'm deeply humbled by it all because of what I've been able to learn has taught me one thing. I need to learn a heck of a lot more. Talk to me. So in 2013, you have this experience with this vape. It helps you sleep. How did that then evolve into you seeing that, you know, I want to get into this business and then you create this or you're, you're behind the creation of this very innovative product, the vape pen that you guys created, the Dosis pen. It wasn't called that then, but... Almost, yeah, HMBLPP, yeah. But talk to us about how you you saw, you know, as a, as a true entrepreneur, you saw a problem, right, in the industry or something that needed solving and and talk to me about that process there. Yeah, sure. I mean, don't let the glasses fool you. I'm, I'm deeply an empiricist. I look to what is real and then I innovate off of that. So in 2013 and 14, when I realized that cannabis helped me fall asleep, I immediately went, the question was, why? Why did that happen? Was it in my head? Was it a psychosomatic response? Or was there something happening in my underlying physiology? And I realized, you know, I mean, I've been studying sleep for a very long time. You know, sleep is one of the most, it's a lot like pain. It's very dynamic. And one of the great podcasts out there today, I think, is Nick Jacomas's Good Chemistry podcast and highly recommend it. But he had Professor Bob Stickgold on, who is a Harvard University professor who's been studying sleep for a very long time. And one of the things that Bob Stickgold said on that podcast, which I think is really important as it relates to sleep, he said, you know, at the turn of the century, we knew nothing about sleep. We, a scientist couldn't even tell you why human beings sleep, much less how they fall asleep and the quality of sleep and the different stages of sleep and the benefits of sleep. And of course, the dangers of not getting enough of it. I mean, we know a lot more than we know, 100% more than we knew then, but we're going to know way more in the next five or 10 years than we know today. And even if you asked a scientist back in 2013, why does a human being sleep? They would have a hard time answering that in a way. So for me, sleep is a very dynamic category So or topic. And I started to look at why human beings don't fall asleep. And it's basically, there's a lot of different reasons, but let's just take the three or four that pop up. Anxiety is one, can't turn my brain off, thinking about everything, underlying deficiency in something, magnesium, my penile gland isn't firing well enough and not creating the hormone. 
an antioxidant called melatonin, or I have some underlying pathology, or I'm in chronic pain. And it just, it makes it very difficult to fall asleep. Well, what is it in the cannabis plant that helps us do that? Well, first of all, we all know that cannabis in general is a pretty strong analgesic. It introduces some pleasure into the system. So it eliminates pain, kind of a similar way, the way the opioid, opioid system works. It's very effective as anti-anxiety agent in the right doses, of course. And it's very good at relaxing you, relaxing the muscles, taking the tension out of your day. And of course, you add a little bit of THC or even CBN to the mix and it's and it's hypnotic, right? And so it works on a lot of different levels. It attacks, I think, sleep problems in a multidimensional way. And of course, the only way to get people to fall asleep who have a sleep problem is to approach it that way. And I then became obsessed with which cannabinoids and which terpenoids are most sort of helpful to promote sleep. And from there, once I understood, you know, the relationship between THC and CBD and CBN and myrcene and beta carolophylline and things like this, we started to look at this as a science project, kind of. We said, okay, let's take a look at the sleepy phytomolecules in the plant and let's see if we can create formulations that express those and then bring down the cannabinoids or the terpenoids that might be more invigorating or euphoric. And we were able to figure that out. And we ran a bunch of consumer trials with a vaporization device. The reason why we chose vaporization, Jonathan, is because, A, I'm a big believer that vaporization done well is the most efficacious, cleanest way to ingest cannabinoids. It eliminates first-pass metabolism. It eliminates liver enzymes. There's no real carbon in there to damage the lung tissue. I'm not going to get into the vaporization crisis just yet. But more importantly, um, the bioavailability of it is, is just instantaneous and almost 100% because the the barrier between the lung tissue and the blood is only one cell deep in the lungs. It's also why vaporization done wrong can create so many issues. So we did that and we ran a consumer study and the results of that consumer study were in short disastrous. People were angry, people got stoned, people couldn't sleep, all of this sort of stuff. And, you know, someone in the corner of the room who I don't remember what their name was or who they were, but they just said something that is obvious to everyone, which is, do we know how much they took? And it then obviously led to what the modern notion of dosist is, which is all functional ingredients or all medicines are all dose dependent. Okay. So there's very few things on this planet that has any type of underlying functionality inside of the human body that isn't dose dependent. And I'm sure your listeners can figure out or can tell me which ones aren't, but the reality is the vast majority are. And we then started to innovate dose-controlled vaporization devices. And from there, we looked at not just sleep, we looked at calm, we looked at relief, we looked at bliss, which is sort of the, the general feeling of euphoria, and really brought the right types of cannabinoids and terpenoids to the marketplace and a dose-controlled experience that made it extremely consistent and very safe to a number of people who were walking into cannabis for the first time. And for those who are not familiar with your product, this product, you basically inhale it and it vibrates when you've had the correct dose or a one dose, right? So you, the consumer knows exactly how much they are getting. And it's, it's very controlled in that way. And I think it's nice to know that, you know, as a consumer, especially somebody who's like more on the can of curious side, right? Maybe not as, as experienced with cannabis, you know, just what you're getting into. Like you said, that person in the corner of the room said, well, how much are they taking? Most people wouldn't be able to tell you. So this tells you exactly. So you, you can control it. And I think one of the big problems that we have with cannabis that you guys have, have very cleverly and, and rightly addressed is that people don't always know it's not predictable the experience sometimes people don't and a lot of people have 
come into cannabis for the first time having had terrible experiences because they ate a brownie that they weren't aware of how dosed it was, right? It was probably overly dosed. They maybe took one bite. They're like, I don't feel anything. So I'm going to eat the entire brownie, right? And everybody's had this experience in college, right? And a lot of it scared a lot of people. You're sort of taking the fear away and the sort of mystery away from the experience of consuming Yeah, cannabis. you know, I mean, Dosist has been described as the mom brand or, you know, the brand for beginners and things like that. I laugh at that distinction. You know, I mean, it is, it is one of the major misnomers and, you know, stereotypes of our industry. When I look at our vaporization device, to, to do dose control is really the hardest thing to do in vaporization. You need very precision. You need a very precise device. You need advanced electrical engineering. You need a flex circuit in there. So the device needs to be smart. You need to control the airflow, no matter how hard someone is inhaling or not. And you need to have a very precise heat ramp to get the cannabinoids into the body in the exact amount that you want. And to that degree, I think, unfortunately, our industry has moved to this sort of very slippery race to the bottom slope called price and potency, which is the entire category seems to want to narrate around the price per gram or half gram based on the amount of THC in it. And that really is, I think, a very basic and uninformed view of what cannabis is. Cannabis is a multi-sensorial experience. And our device is really, it's the most expensive device in the world to manufacture. That's a fact. It is the most advanced vaporization device in the world. And, and I think as we really look towards the future in terms of live resin, live raw, and solventless or solvent-based extracts, um, depending on who's making them, to properly create a connoisseur-level experience, you need the type of technology that is in our dose pack. You need very precise airflow. You need a very precise dose. You need medical-grade materials. You need a ceramic coil and wick design that does not burn off or have off-gassing of toxic chemicals in it. You need to protect the oil from being heated and cooled and reheated and cooled while it's in the chamber. And more importantly, you need a very exact heat ramp so that you're not cooking off or burning off the very delicate terpenoid-based experience and the other accessory cannabinoid, you know, major and minors that are in there. That's really what our dose pen does because the technology that can get you to an effective exact dose is also the technology that one requires to have a very complete live resin experience. And so a lot of sort of heads, as I like to call them, you know, or they call themselves, they experience maybe an oil from 710 or bare extracts as live resin oil that we have through our device. And they're like, whoa. I've never tasted anything this good before. And the reason why is we can specifically tune that device for that oil, because if it might be heavy in a certain cannabinoid or a certain terpenoid, and that's really the thing that, that is the lead note expressing that experience or oil, and we can tune the device specifically to that so it doesn't cook off and also degrade the oil. So we're, we're in a situation now where we're really pushing towards that, but we're bringing a level of consistency and control and experience to the live resin category. And it's really taken hold, particularly over the last two months. Right. So forward ahead here, we're going from 2016 now to 2022. So in 2016, you introduced this revolutionary device. You're very targeted sort of feeling states. So relief and sleep and bliss, but you've made innovations along the way. And I want to talk about some of those. 
I mean, when I first, when I think about doses in the early stages, it really is about vaporization and kind of a, a cutting edge vaporization. Then Vapegate happens in like 2019. Did that hurt your business? Was that challenging for you guys? It, it crushed our business. I mean, we were a health and wellness position company now inside of a category that most of the media was obsessed that would kill you. And it was a story that far exceeded the impact of that story, far exceeded the reality of that story. And it wasn't in the legal space. We all know that was... It wasn't in the legal space. And it was really born from putting additives into an oil and then vaporizing that oil. So whether it was vitamin E acetate or some other underlying agent, that was the thing that was causing a problem. And what I like to tell people is if if you're inhaling cannabinoids or cannabis properly, what you're going to see is you're going to see that the only thing that you have is phytomolecules suspended in water vapor. That's it. That's all that's there. So out of our device, we know that we've put it under a mass spectrometer. We know exactly what's in it. There's nothing cytotoxic or a problem in there. So yes, the vaporization crisis, it definitely hurt our business dramatically because we were a health and wellness physician company now in a category that people thought would kill you. And, you know, the first thing that we did after that is we commissioned an independent study to really understand not what was in our oil, because we obviously knew that, but what was in the vapor to make sure there was no cytotoxins in it whatsoever. And what we learned through that study is when you heat, when you properly do vaporization, the only thing that you're inhaling is phytomolecules suspended in water vapor. That's it. There's nothing else there. And this was critically important to us. And as I like to say to people, you know, if you're going to inhale a dose, something from doses, it's the equivalent of using aromatherapy or, you know, cooking with herbs in your kitchen. That's all it really is. But the vape crisis was really driven by people putting chemical-based additives inside of a vaporization device. It's almost like sniffing glue, right? You do enough of it, and it's going to have a very negative effect on overall health. And that's what the eval crisis or vape crisis was. Not to diminish it at all, because it was horrible, but it was really something that was overhyped and misunderstood at the exact same time, which obviously in American culture today is one of the, the two most dangerous ingredients to crises. So it really hurt us, but we, we started to really move into after that a vaporization done correctly and be more of an edible experience. And, you know, when we look at our strategy to bring products to life, we really look at it on three different variables. So variable number one is dose control. It has to be precisely dosed because too much is bad. Not enough doesn't do anything. It has to, the formulation science has to be exact. So we have to be able to formulate the product into an oil in the exact same way using, you know, ensuring no residual solvents, or if it is a solventless process, making sure that it is, you know, it doesn't have any plant-based matter in it, that it's all been filtered out properly. And then lastly is bioavailability. It must be bioavailable. And if you get one of those three things wrong, you can forget about a consistent experience. And so for us, we launched a line of uh, vegan, organic, fast-acting gummies, right? So it's 100% vegan, it's 100% clean, 85% organic, and it's fast-acting. To my knowledge, it's the only gummy on planet Earth that has cannabis in it that meets all of those criteria. Why was that important to you to have the, I mean, we've, why were those aspects important to you? The the organic, the vegan? Well, from a vegan point of view, cannabis is a plant. And I feel like that most, that cannabis products should be hundred percent plant-based. I don't understand mixing animal-based products or gelatin in this case with a plant-based functional ingredient. And, you know, it's more expensive. It's more difficult. We use organic pectin and I believe that plant-based nutrition and plant-based lifestyles are very, very important to the dosis customer. 
it's very important to me as a human being. It's also a lot harder. I mean, we were the first ones to do dose-controlled vaporization. We're the first ones to do a fast-acting, 100% vegan, clean, organic gummy. And, you know, we're going to continue, I think, our consumers and the category and even our competition expect us to be a brand of first. And to me, that's part of getting back to the beginning. That's part of the entrepreneurial spirit, right? Entrepreneurs inherently do not want to be fast followers of what everyone else is doing. You want to blaze a new trail. You want to be first. You want to be first because if you're first and it works, that means you're leading the marketplace. And I, and I believe that Dosis' role, role within the greater industry of cannabis is to lead it from where it started, which is inherently a black or a gray market sort of thing, into the world of proper consumer packaged goods. And if there are brands that are going to do that, well, A, brands are going to do that, but the ones that are, are going to be ones that are pioneers that do things the right way, the hard way in some degree, and that do things that nobody else can do. I mean, I like to say all the time, we can do what everyone else can do, but very few can do what we can do. And that's not disparaging everybody else. That's just saying we have spent an inordinate amount of resources and capital to get to this position, and we've taken it very seriously. And in the end, what we're trying to do is we're trying to create products that really do fundamentally change people's lives for the better. Now, in between this, you guys did create this thing called the Dose Dial, which was like a kind of a sublingual device. You guys have had some real hits. And, you know, like any company, you try things, some things work and some things don't. <laughs> what, what was what that one didn't take off like you hoped? What was the problem there, do you think? Like, what was the mistake and what did you learn from that experience? The cliche is you learn more from your failures than your successes. So I don't exactly classify a, a launch product that doesn't take hold as a failure because we learned a lot from it. I mean, that product was a very difficult product to manufacture. It was 100% SMEDS based. So it was a self microemulsifying drug delivery system. It was very fast acting. It was a compressed tablet that had a slight minty sweet sweetness to it. And it was 100% dosed, which meant that it had, it was a, it was the first all in one ever child resistant packaging vessel that also dosed or dispensed the tablet. And I, at the time, with along with the Dosis team, believed that confectionery and cannabis might be very slippery slope. And I, did, I wasn't convinced at the time that it was the right thing to do, particularly because, you know, like if you're going to sell like Skittles that are masked with cannabis, I didn't feel like that that was responsible. And the reason why I didn't feel it was responsible is because it's inherently marketing to kids. And that that can't be good. And it certainly isn't the path to proper consumer packaged goods and growing the category for everyone. So we focused on it. It was successful to the degree of it sold very well in certain channels, but from a mass appeal point of view, it never really had it. It was also a little hard to open, right? Like some of the technology was was a little hard. It was, I remember, because I was I was a big early dose style guy, but I remember finding it sometimes hard to open the thing. And you probably learned, you know, maybe to make it a little simpler, like the user interface, because the dose pen is so easy to use and it takes like an like an idiot can like figure it out, right? The toast dial. I was like, I can't get the freaking things out. Yeah, no, it was very. It was. It wasn't the most seamless experience ever. And it was a, it was a result of we made the choice to make it like very child resistant. We also made it adult resistant. So the learning there was you have to find that happy medium between being ultra responsible with your products 
to keep them out of the hands of people that shouldn't be ingesting them, but also make it a very simple and intuitive experience for those that are. All right. So we're at the doses 2.0, 3.0 phase now where you have released these gummies that you talked about. You you talked about the live resin products. So you're kind of like, and you even have the THC free CBD. So you're at every end of the spectrum. You're, you're you know, from the the lowest, you know, from the THC free to the kind of pretty intense live resin THC experience. How are you positioning your brand now? Because now you're hitting a lot of, a lot of demographics, a lot of different audience. So is it, tell me how you as a CPG expert, you know, and somebody who's done marketing and advertising for so long are positioning the brand now? Look, I I think a brand ultimately is about a couple of things, but it's about differentiation. How different can it be? right? Because that's what people look for. And how elastic can it be? Meaning, can it stretch credibly into other product categories? You know, I look at Nike as a, you know, sort of the pent-ultimate example. They're, they're for, on one level, the very serious performance athlete, the best athletes in the world. And then they can talk to middle-aged suburban male like myself. They can speak to skaters all around the world. They can talk about creativity. They can talk about performance athletics. They can, they can do a lot of different things, right? That's one of the great notions of having a brand. You know, we are not, I don't see Dosist as a cannabis brand. I see Dosist as a brand that really does believe that, you know, happiness is the highest form of health, that these underlying phytomolecules and functional ingredients can seriously help that. And we're going to be delivering products that do that across a range of things. THC is just one single molecule in a plant that has thousands of them. And by itself, it's actually a very messy drug right? It's, it's not the greatest thing in the world, but what the cannabis plant can teach us and has to offer us, I think is very wide ranging. And so from the vantage point of which cannabinoids and which terpenoids can be effective with other functional based ingredients that do not require THC to be efficacious. That's really what our, what we call our dosist health line does. And that is scaling right now around the world. And we're very excited by that. Yeah. I'm excited by it too. I'm excited to see where, where you guys take this. Cause it, like you said, you guys are often kind of leading the way here. And I, and I'm curious doses to me, seems like it could be positioned to be, you know, we don't really have like household name brands yet in cannabis. I mean, we're getting there, right. But doses is definitely one that, that could be in that position. How do you think about that? How do you make it a household? How do you make something a household name? One of the things about it is our brand is larger than our business. That's just a fact right now. And when you talk, I've been walking down the street in New York wearing a Dosis hat and someone comes up to me and slaps hands with me and goes, oh, I know that brand. It's a great brand. I've had executives in the marketing world say, I think Dosis is one of the greatest brands in the world, not in cannabis. It's appreciated and recognized really around the world right now. So from that point of view, it's absolutely broken out from the cannabis world and into, you know, the broader conversation of brands out there. It's been on, you know, inner brands, top 50 brands to watch. It's been fast companies, 10 most innovative companies in the world in healthcare. It's been Time Magazine's, you know, number one inventor, you know, number one invention of 2017. It's really punched above its weight. And I think it's punched above its weight because it's onto something. As cannabis grows up, it needs to be consistent. It needs to be dosed, right? It needs to be safe and efficacious. And a brand, I think, in the cannabis world, particularly coming from, you know, pretty low consumer education to what ultimately will be a very high involvement category, trust is probably the most important thing. And, you know, Dosist creates products that cultivate trust. Yes, they might be, they might not be 95% THC and, you know, they might not be designed to get someone stoned, but they're designed to give someone a very positive cannabis-based experience. And we've worked, the team at Dosist, and I got to take my hat off to them. I mean, they have worked incredibly hard 
to get this right. It is not easy to do. It's in fact, it's from my point of view, it's the most difficult thing I've ever had, you know, I've ever had to try. And that's really where the brand and the business is going. And I'm very excited to say that we're, we're, we have seen tremendous momentum over the last couple of months now, once we've launched gummies, once we've launched live resin, and once we've really got after Dosis Health on the THC free side. Are you planning, you know, you're there in, in New York, is Dosis planning, maybe it's too early to say, but are you planning to have your product be, an, I can't imagine it not being a New York product. Yeah, it has to be a New York. New Yorkers want Dosis, right? And so, you know, the last thing I'm going to do is is stand in the way of that. When a consumer base really wants a product and a brand, you got you to deliver there. You know, New York will be, I think, a lot like California. It, it'll be challenging. You know, there's going to be, there's going to be different players. It's going to be hyper-competitive. There'll probably be supply constraints and pricing issues and regulatory hurdles to overcome. That's all fine. One of the great things about being in the business as long as Dosis has been, like we're battle tested. It's a very resilient company with a lot of experts in it. And, you know, we're going to figure it out. And, and I look forward to, you know, New York being the largest cannabis market on planet Earth. And I hope the regulators and the people inside of New York don't just see it as a giant tax windfall, but they see it as a net benefit to society and health and wellness. But we'll see. But regardless of how they see it, Dosist will be there to the extent that we can leading the category forward to the best of our ability. Well, I know a lot of New Yorkers that won't be happy to hear that news. All right. Thank you, Jason. Thank you so much for your time. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. Really happy to be here, Jonathan. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Green Entrepreneur Podcast. To find out more about Green Entrepreneur, you can go to greenentrepreneur.com or check out our magazine on newsstands everywhere. Check out our Instagram at Green Entrepreneur. We're also on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and all other social media feeds. If you like this podcast and you'd like to hear more from me, Jonathan Small, check out my other podcast, Write About Now, that's W-R-I-T-E, to get some in-depth interviews into the lives and stories of successful writers, how they got there, what they learned, and what you need to succeed. That's writeaboutnowmedia.com. Until next episode, we'll THC you later. <laughs>